Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John here back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Back after our uh, week's hiatus for the uh, 4th of July. So I was in uh, no shape to be doing any podcasting um, over the past week or so. So, um, you know, happy to get back to it. Been been doing a lot of stuff, but it's just a matter of finding time with family and, and everything else. So so we're, we're back at it. Um, we just wrapped up our giveaway with uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, the Facebook winner was Zachary Dodds, and the winner from Instagram was uh, Rick Yagi uh, from Pennsylvania. So um, just keep following along with us, Instagram, Facebook. We'll be doing more giveaways um, as as things progress. Um, but, uh, yeah, congratulations to those guys who got that wrapped up. Um, today's episode, what we're going to do is kind of go through – where we're at with our planning for our elk hunt. So we've been compiling all of this gear and information. So we've, we're reading, researching, re-researching, re-looking at everything. Um, but we've been testing our gear pretty, pretty thoroughly. I'm trying to emulate everything as best as possible and kind of, we're going to kind of go through where we're at, the things that we we're happy with, the things that we're, maybe not meeting expectation, things like that. But I figure we'll start out with the easiest thing. Um, it's bowing podcast. So we'll go with our, with our bows and, uh, our bow setups. Uh, John's been doing some changing up on his, his setup a little bit. So what are you shooting right now, John? Right now I'm shooting the, my Hoyt RX one. It's just the standard. It's not the ultra. So, and right now it's got 70 pound limbs, but, that might be changing in a few weeks. So you you're ordering those. I ordered. How okay? So how many 
how many days do we have until we're? Uh... <laughs> well, I don't know. Those might not. Those might not make the trip. So, I mean, it's shooting really good right now with the seventy pound limbs, but my arrows are a little bit stiff. They're the two sixties, so I figured either I build a new set of arrows in the three hundred, or I just get a set of eighty pound limbs. So I was like, well, which is more cost effective? They're about the same really? for me for my price. So okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, even less, so, but, <clears throat> but no, so my bow, I actually put the, I got my five pin sight on now, so I've been shooting with that, and I'm really liking it, it's the, um, it's basically like the Accustat, it's the, but it's a slider and stuff, so I uh, got it all pretty much dialed in, I got a little tweaking yet to do with that. But the rest of it, I still have to build my strings. So that's, it's just, it was so hot last week. And, you know, with the holidays and everything, it has just been too much going on to try to set it, build a set of strings out in the garage. Maybe if I had it set up in the basement where it's cooler, but the whole thing is out here. So definitely this week, if I have to run the AC unit in the garage, strings got to get built for that. I got another set of strings to build for a couple other bows too, so... So beyond that, and then I'll end up, I was going to shoot some 3D with the double the XL, but I'm not sure. I mean, we kind of missed, there was a couple, not tournaments, but there was a couple weekend shoots at our club. And we just kind of shot those with our hunting rigs, which that's pretty much what we needed to be doing. But I was planning on shooting it with the, the old bow, but I might have to switch that back over as the my backup. So... With switching out those limbs, theoretically, you won't need an additional string, right? Everything should be no, the same. No, it'll just it'll be identical. They they build them they build them to, for that bow, um, for that riser, uh, that those cam numbers. So it's number four cams. So they they need those. They got those specs from me. And then they'll build the limbs for that bow. So yeah, I'll basically just break it down, pull the pins. I'll just leave the cables and stuff basically right on the cams, let it loose, and then uh, pull those limbs out, and I'll re-grease everything, put it all back in, and then should just go right back in, and, you know, I'll retune it and all, but... That's what I love to hear, the should part of it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Theoretically, it should just go right back together, but there's always that, you know, little quirk that goes into it that it's like... What's this part here? <laughs> or you put in a limb backwards? No. Yeah. yeah. And so there are specifically top limb, bottom limb. Well, technically, I'm not sure. Normally, yes, on this bow there is. On this bow, because if you look, well, it's a, the different limb pockets on the RX. But the limb should be the same. So, and... Years past, what you do, like if you couldn't get a bow to tune right, you could, if your cams were leaning one way, and you could flip flop the limbs. That was like one of the last resorts. What you do is you just flip flop the limbs from side to side or or bottom to top. But <clears throat> I'll just see how that when they when they come, if they're marked top, bottom, whatever. But should just be. Yeah, I need to. So my bow, nothing's changed. Uh, I've been shooting it quite a bit. Um, as John said at the 
the club they had set up a 3d range and we went and shot that and shot the field course and um shot a bunch just at the bales out there just trying to figure out range finder versus tape and and all that and it, i'm pretty happy with it the one thing that i'm not happy with i don't know um if i'm going to change it or not is that stabilizer from that i got from the bowhunter box club the the dead ringer and like my initial thoughts on it were i didn't i wasn't going to like the outside the housing. outside housing it, it, it does pick up a lot of dirt and gravel and sticks and all sorts of stuff stuck in it but it balanced really well it does a really good job at, at dampening the problem that i'm having with it is there is like a i don't know if it's for the seal or what but there's like a rubber washer or something on it and so when we were turkey hunting in the morning it was wet well dewy and it actually rained that the one day that I'm in question there but what ended up happening is it, it basically locked on there and I couldn't take it off and so I ended up having to take actually the whole quick disconnect out really of the thing and let it um so basically it like over tightened when it was had a little bit of a lube on it basically some, something like that and then so I kind of gave it like a free pass at that point. And I was like, well, I know why it happened and what happened. Well, we went out and shot the the 3D course Chris and I did. And it was really hot and muggy and everything. Well, it basically did the same thing, except for this time, it actually unscrewed the whole. Um, the grommet outside of the, from inside your. No, it left all of that on there and actually unscrewed the stabilizer off of the, the shaft or the stud. Yeah. 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 That's what I meant. And so, and so like, that's the way that it's in my bow case right now. And I'm <laughs> like, you know, that fool me once, you right. know, shame on me. And I don't know. It, I had the, I actually had that same issue with the double XL with the, but I had, um, my wrestling and it had like the polymer, plate that you'd screwed into it so and it actually ended up unscrewing the whole uh housing out of the riser <laughs> so and i still had to deal with that even when i take my uh, target stable i gotta pull it back all the way out and get some blue loctite or i can't remember if it's blue or red but the, the high strength would well, have to be blue i mean if it came out because you i don't think the red would come out like that well I, no i'm saying i have to get some yeah. new. i don't have any in my toolbox but I need to get the high strength stuff put in it and get her locked in tight again. But, but yeah, I had the same thing, but it came out of the riser, which it can't come out of the riser of your carbon bow. Cause that's a separate part. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it kind of goes back to something we said in more of like our first podcast is like, I'd really like to try one of those tap stabilizers. So, right. I mean, it's probably where I'm headed. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's just, I, it's frustrating, <laughs> you know, I mean, for no reason, it's just a simple thing. But other than that, it's been, it's been shooting really good. Um, that carbon night, I need to get that back over here so we can get the string dampening on that. I shot it and I mean, everything's fine, but there's a lot of vibration. Right. It's, it's, it's yeah. Loud. There's nothing on it. There's nothing on it. So, um, I'm going to need to start alternating shooting those bows and, and getting right. that one. Yeah. We just need, I actually lost my, my, uh, 
key card for the club. So really? anyone out there listening that goes to the club and found my card, just shoot me a text or something. <laughs> no. But yeah, well, I went over to, Mark and I went over to look at that bow and it didn't work out, but I ended up, I had it in my pocket. I don't know if it fell out at the club or what, but yeah, it's gone. So we got to get to the club. We got to get that bow. We got to get the draw board over there and get it all, you know, because it hasn't even really been tuned. I mean, I put the new cable, cam and strings on it, shot it a little bit, but we need to get it. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we need to get it paper tuned, get it silenced down, get the speed docks on it. Yeah, uh, I mean, for you. String silencers. Y- your bow's the bow you've been hunting with for a year and a half or, or whatever, so it's good. Your backup. My backup bow. Yeah, I just have yeah. to. Well, right now it's not because I got it set up with my 3D arrows, and but it's just a matter of a few clicks on the rest. Yeah, this one needs, I got to. Yeah. I, I, we got to get moving on that. And then for arrows, everything's good. We just I just weighed my arrows. They're actually a little heavier than I thought. They're at 472, and they're the uh, Black Eagle Outlaws with the 45 grain brass inserts and then the boning giant four fletch on the back. But I think I'm going to, I've been shooting the, those tooth of the arrow shot them a dozen times or so and they fly great. So I think I'm sticking mm-hmm. with that. I, I'm going to order a set of those, um, the RAD stainless and try those out as well. But, as of right now, the tooth of the arrow are, are going to be the ones I'm shooting. Yeah, I haven't shot, I haven't shot my uh, broadhead yet. But I got, like I said, we talked about it earlier. I got the the muzzy troll cars, the hundred hundred grain, and then, but like I said, my my arrows are a little on the stiff side. I'm going to have to do some fine tuning on the bow to get those to fly really well. Now, if I drop down to the 300s, then I I was getting bullet holes when I was shooting the 300s before I went up to Toe Larch Challenge. So, those are flying perfect. The 260s had a little bit of a kick. Like, even tonight when I've got some lateral, you know, movement. So, that's definitely going to be really effective. It's really going to be affected with the, with the broadheads on it. So, but I, I'm... I messed up my target, so I have to go get a, a new foam target or get that one back together. <laughs> Might just have to ratchet strap it or, you know, some of that northern engineering. <laughs> so moving on with our, our, our testing in the in the clothing, at the Total Archery Challenge, we were fully geared up. Everything we were going to wear um, from boots, packs, the whole works. Um I've got the uh, uh, mixed bag of, of gear. And I think my uh, experience has been pretty much pretty much the same um, mixed mixed bag. So the the Badlands pants that I've got are their their lightest version, and I'll have to look up and see exactly which ones they are. Um, I've got the their uh, Rev jacket. And I, I wore the jacket and the pants um, in a rainstorm fishing, and uh, they're great. Uh, wore the pants up at Total Archery Challenge. It was way too hot for any sort of jacket of any sort at any point through the whole um, 
the whole time that we were there. Um, but the pants, they just durability, um, water resistance, all of that stuff. I can't say enough good things about them. Lifetime warranty. I think they're great, a great piece of gear. They just don't breathe very well. So it was, I, what, what were the temps that we had up there at the total archery challenge? It had to be close to the, it was in the eighties, wasn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly. I didn't look at the, yeah, those it, are was, the, it was hot. They're the Badlands ion pants and they're, they're great. Um, but they just didn't breathe very well. So it, with the humidity and, and everything, I think them being a Western company, we were kind of on a completely different wavelength as, as what the, maybe they were designed or maybe maximized for, but they were, they seem indestructible and I've worn them in a ton of different climates, hot, cold. Yeah. Even warm in the snow. Yeah. Warm in the, the snow. Spring. Yeah. In the spring here. Um, and every, everything was great. Uh, but they just, they just don't breathe very well. Um, and then I had a, these um so cabela's whatever their uh freaking like their dry gear or, or heat gear type shirts they were two dollars and 99 cents on their clearance rack and their octane camo or the o2 or whatever it is um and i bought two for me and two for john so i have twelve dollars into four shirts and i wore that shirt the whole time i was up there and that that was great i mean that's gonna be fine and i've got also the the nomad cooling shirt and it's great it's long sleeved very very breathable it's got like a mesh back and it's like kind of like one of those hybrid looking shirts um the one thing about it is where that mesh is uh sewn on right across the small of your back is the same where your pack sits so that that stitching is pretty pretty much digging into your back the whole time so if you're wearing that as a base layer or your single layer um that's that's not gonna work Um, definitely not gonna work but i can tell you like so the greatest thing like thank you joe out there (laughs) the uh the merino boxers um anytime i've been doing anything um and i've been getting them um so i I think i said this before but through camel fire um camelfire.com they have like deals every single day on all sorts of different um hunting type stuff there's some other things on there some like apparel but they have a bunch of black ovis merino and so the first light merino boxers are like 45 dollars. even on amazon they're like not the first light but any merino boxers start at like 25 bucks well they consistently have the black ovis ones on there for 17 dollars a pair i think so I got a couple of those, and so anytime I'm, even go when I go running, when I'm out shooting, any anytime that I'm going to be doing anything where I'm moving and it's warm out, like I've been wearing them, and it's great. Now, I haven't given them the same smell test that he has, <laughs> but I can tell you I wore, like, the same pair while I was up at the Total Archery Challenge for the whole three days because I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing it on the mountain, I might as well just make sure that they don't get sticky out here. And, um, it was great. So, um, I've been real happy with those and, and for the money. I mean, I'm sure that the first light ones are great. 
I mean, cause they, they actually have two different pairs. They have like their arrow wool one. So they're actually a little bit thinner. So they're probably more breathable or, uh, or whatever, but I've, I've been totally, totally happy with them. Um, while we were up there and I, but I will tell you this. So it's, it's funny to me because I, <laughs> I was wandering around in Walmart the one day and I found these, they're, they're Wrangler. They're like their outdoor brand pants. And uh, I saw them and I was like, man, those are really nice pants. They're like the stretchy, like breathable. They actually fit like a, a fitted jean or like kind of like a pseudo skinny jean. Um, so I went on walmart.com, I ordered some and I immediately ordered another pair, uh, when I got them, they are super comfortable. They're like a poor man's like first, first like guide pant. They're not wool or anything like that, but I did wear those. One of the, this, um, when we shot the sick, of course, I'd changed my clothes out of the, the, the badlands and into those pants and they breathe amazing. They actually were fairly durable i haven't got any snags or rips or anything in them but i was listening to the deer hunter podcast and um uh, jared i think from uh whitetail adrenaline was talking about his buddy that came out hunting with him and he's like he bought those pants from walmart and they spray painted them and he said i gotta tell you they're the best value in pants they're so underrated i think a lot of people know about them because I tried ordering them. They're all sold out. So, well, I mean, <laughs> Target sells them, Walmart sells them, and then their Wrangler sells them on their site. And I couldn't find any of my size. Well, I except for the black ones. Yeah. Well, I I tried to order some that I thought were the same off of Amazon, and I got them, and they were way different. Well, they were they, the cotton ones. They weren't cotton, but they were like half the material. They were like paper thin and. Oh. They were, they were completely different, but I mean, for the money, they're amazing pants. So if you can find them, if you can find them. Yeah. If you're not six foot four, <laughs> six three. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so for you, John, you're under armor yeah, Ridge so Reaper I, complete. Yeah. So I had the under armor Ridge Re- Reaper, um, I had the early season pants, which those, I mean, they seem they're. I've been wearing them like since the spring to warm through the club or at the club out through the wet grass and ferns, warm up there, toll archery challenge and every. It's kind of the same thing that you. I mean, they're not they're breathable, but when it's hot, I mean, it's you got pants on, so it's just it's hot. So, but I so actually Joe had sent me a, a pair of those first light pants those guide pants and I put those on and they were like those Walmart pants to the next level. I mean, I, I honestly believe that those would be the best, The, I, but I mean, I, I think that they would not have the same effect like you are wearing pants. Right. I mean, they just, they're almost like, they're almost like puffy. Like they're like a, real stretchy like th- thick fluffy type material hmm. so it looks it's like the air just goes like right through. through yeah the air doesn't go i mean but they're these have the storm coating and they're waterproof so i think that has that effect i mean on everything it's gonna be and 
we're going out there. I'm, that's going to be my rain gear. You know, and it, obviously it was too hot to wear our coats and stuff up there. So I have the early season coat. I do have the Threadborn shirts, which those were great. The one day I tried wearing a cotton shirt and it was miserable. And I ended up having to, I put my Threadborn back on and which is, you know, the Under Armour Ridge Reaper Threadborn. Can't remember if it says anything else. I got one right here. I think that was one of the things that was the the most I don't, telling. I don't, I don't know. I didn't wear anything that was cotton any other days just because I knew it was going to be miserable. But I saw everybody else that was wearing, like, jeans and, oh. like, other T-shirts, and they came back just miserable. Right. Yeah, this is a – it's the heat gear, and it's threadborn, so <clears> – <throat> It's like almost transparent. It's right. Like yeah. You really, can, really you like not tightly see right through at all. And it worked great. I have the short sleeve version and the long sleeve version. So definitely impressed with that. That and the, you know, Mall Magic Camo. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank God. Got to be that. But, and I think we were both wearing wool socks, like the Merino wool socks. Yeah. I have, I just wore my, that's one thing. I don't have the Merino underwear. So I was fighting the underwear issue. I had, I don't know, five different pairs that I was trying out, you know, like the Duluth trading and all that. But I'll definitely be getting some Merinos. Do Does Under Armour make Merinos or you got to like put in a special order for some Ridge Reaper ones? <laughs> <laughs> I think they do make something, but but no, I'll just order some Black Ovis. But you know, my underwear don't have to match. And so I'm using those and I was actually pretty surprised. So I've got those, um, the Cabela's Mindel um ultralight hunter boots right and they're like a 10 inch like mountaineering type boot uh but they had 400 grams of thinsulate also and I, that when i bought them i was like uh the, the the cost was pretty much the same and i was like well is it going to be better to have it and not need it or <laughs> wish i had it and i've definitely had enough cold feet and boot issues in my lifetime to be like well i'd rather be hot than cold i think so uh i went with that as hot as it was i didn't really have any issues no hot spots no anything those boots and i've consistently been wearing them you know as i'm hiking around and and everything and i've i've not had any issues except for when i didn't wear the merino the thicker socks when i wore a thin sock and my my foot was moving around. I didn't get any blisters, but I felt like I did like three miles. And I thought if, you know, if I was going to, if this, if this was what I was wearing out there, I would definitely have a problem as right. the, the miles wore on. Um, but with the thicker Merino socks, no problem. Right. No, I have the, mine are, they're like the Fox, they're my snowboard socks. So and they're Merino wool. So, but, and I have like some thick, some heavy ones and I have like a midweight and I, I wore the midweight and mine boots are the crispy boots. So they're non-insulated. They're the Thors. So I think there were last year's, I can't tell the difference between this, like this year's and last year's, but they're both ugly orange, but, but I, those were great. They have a ton of support. They have a really aggressive, uh, sole on it, you know? So it was, you get a lot of grip. I noticed that, and I've been doing the same thing, wearing them around here, trying to hike. I've been wearing them in the dunes, which dunes with the heavy pack, 
or I call it heavy. It was 36 pounds the day I did it. And, but it's like, you take a step forward. It's like one step forward and it comes back three quarters away. So you're barely getting any, any motion, but those work great for that. I did wear them up there at the Total Archer Challenge. I tried a thin pair of socks, like a liner pair. And with my bad, I have a, my left foot's kind of bad. I got some nerve damage in it. And it definitely, same thing. I definitely have to wear like the, the thicker, the merino, get you that cushion in there. So, but I'm definitely impressed with the boots. We'll see how they go out there. No, I mean, that's, pretty much the cream of the crop it seems like for i mean everybody that's everybody right now is everything's crispy boots or the under armor moon boots so it's right but you know the thors are they're not like the mountaineering version because they have like i think they they're they name theirs different like the montanas or yeah they did wyoming's i think yeah idaho idaho and so they do have like one that's or a couple, but they have one that's more aggressive, like for the rock. And, and I know um, the guy that we talked to that's been helping us out, giving us information. He told you about yours, mm-hmm. and he said that the you know like the terrain out there, the rocky terrain definitely tears up boots. And that's the one thing that's like we don't have the rocky terrain around here. I've been trying it. I've been hiking the dunes and you know around the lakes and stuff here. It's not tearing up the boot, so we'll see how it holds up in the if it's the shale or you know the sharp rocks. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, honestly, for us, it's um, even even like when we get into here, it's gonna be a kind of a nice segue to like our packs. So that's kind of what I got next on our list. But I think realistically, if you were Remy Warren and you spent 250 days and you're going to tear up your boots right in a month um you know i think that's a bigger deal for guys that are going to be in that sort of train the whole time so like i mean i feel like for me if i go out there with these boots they last the entire hunt and they come back all ripped up but my feet still survive Right. They, they, they served their purpose. Now, if they come back and they're, you know, they're cut up and all this stuff, well, next, the next time maybe I'll buy a, a pair of boots that are for the next, you know, if I, if we're going to do this again and again and again and again, right. or how are you going to like look at it as a lifetime investment for these boots or I just need them for, for one time. Right. And so I think that that's kind of, you know, I got over here today and John's pack was laid out and he was looking at it trying to figure out, you know, what, what we need to do. John's been doing a lot more work with that specific pack because like for me, a lot of my hiking is done with my daughter on my back. So I have a 35 pound pack also, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's just different. So I need to get more in tune with that pack. And I've been using the, uh, the Vanguard pack that I have, the one with the frame in it, taking it around, shooting, carrying weight in it. And I can tell you, you know, I got a kind of a, a, a bug up my ass for this like train to hunt thing after talking to those guys. So I was like, well, I mean, I've used this pack. I wore it around total archery challenge. I've 
taken hiking, done all this other stuff. I put 35 pounds of gravel in it and it just destroyed my back. Not like the muscles, like not, I wasn't like sore, but like it just beat the shit out of like my lower back. The, the, the waist belt is not the same. It, It doesn't cover the entire internal frame. So the bottom part of the internal frame, which happens to be the sharp edges, was just smashing into the small of my back. And then I'll be curious because I've got my Alps pack loaded up, um, the same thing. And I was going to run on Friday morning with it, but I got too sunburned on Wednesday. (laughs) So there was no way I was running with the pack at all. Um, Just right on my shoulders and my back are just too sunburned. So there's no way. Um, But it has the same... Uh, thing on the straps where you cinch it down where where it tightens it up across your chest and it's just kind of like clamped on there and with that out uh with the vanguard pack i didn't get a half mile down the road and one of those things popped off so then it was like useless so i just had my th- i was just holding it <laughs> you know and it still i mean i ran two and a quarter miles in about 30 minutes and that was with some walking and getting just destroyed my back is all bruised and still like scabbed over it broke the skin but it was like i'm not gonna stop i'm not gonna just not do it i mean i'm out here so um but yeah as far as like putting weight in that pack my my alps pack right now is probably about 50 pounds and i was tightening it up because i had those issues with that vanguard pack and so i was like well if i'm gonna run with this thing i'm (laughs) certainly not gonna do that again and uh, the waist belt is much bigger, fits really nice tightly on my hips, and it balances the weight. So I don't think I'm really going to have any of the issues running with it. And that's one thing that we didn't talk to Kyle about was, like, what pack he used or what they uh, recommended. And when, you know, he said he had watched the video um, from Tex Grebner, I went and watched the same uh, thing. And he said the Alps pack, which is the one that we've got, um, Kyle's running a slumberjack pack and, um, that's what Kenny Hollingsworth is running as well. Same slumberjack style, just a meat carrier pack. So they would be running, not the actual pack that we've got, just the pack frame with the meat carrier straps without the, the actual backpack portion. But, um, yeah, so with you, so my issues, you know, for one, it's, it's got all the pins and clips and or the pins with the little cotter pins hold it in. And so it's it's loud. I mean, get, you get some clicking as you're walking. You know, and, like, when I did the dunes, I had a bunch of water in my pack. And that's when it, and it weighed, like, 36 pounds. So I, had to, I took all the water out, and then I ended up putting in the 25-pound plate today. So then I put it on the scale, and it was, like, 40.7 pounds. Well, then, so I started, I don't run, for one. I'm not going to run with it, period. I'm not going to be running the hills in Idaho, so I'm just going to be walking, hiking. So, but I hiked today and <clears throat> I did notice, like, as I'm walking, all of a sudden my hip flexors start to tighten up and I could feel like the weight was more in my hips. And so I was adjusting my shoulder straps, trying to pull the weight up. And I'd walk for, you know, go another 100 yards. And next thing you know, I was like noticing it again. And it, my straps kept loosening up on my my chest straps the adjusters kept sliding through and then 
my left one, it was, I guess, the the way I had it on. I had the, my the cross strap that you were talking about popped loose. Mine never popped loose. I had it pretty good and tight. Well, then it was putting like a side torque on the strap as it come down, you know, below my chest muscle. And it ended up like rolling the strap inside the, the buckle. So then it's only got a little bit of grab. Well, then I then it would, I try to tighten it and it would just pop loose. And then, so then I had to, you know, take it off or, you know, loosen up enough where I could, and I had to fiddle around with that, trying to get the strap straight in there again. And so that was, that was kind of a, you know, I guess that's why we're doing this is trying to work out the kinks and the bugs right now. So that's one thing that, you know, that was only 40 pounds. So if I get 50 or 60 pounds in it as I work up and if it keeps doing that, that's not, that's going to be an issue that has to be fixed. Either get new straps or have to tie them off or, you know, which that's not really practical tying them off because then you won't be able to get your pack on and off easy. And then the other thing too is, which will will be an easy fix technically, the pins that hold the, like the frame, that there's a little metal frame that comes up and holds the top of your pack open. So it makes it kind of like a rectangle. Well, th- where those come down on my frame, the pins are a little bit longer because that's the only thing in it because those pins are long enough to get like both your grommets through for the frame, for the, the bag and the meat carrier. Um, so they were sticking out. I had them going from outside in. So the excess was hanging through the back. Well, it ended up wearing holes right through the mesh back pad or the back. What do you it, it's just basically what keeps the the pack off, off of your, your back. back to keep the airflow. Yeah, it's not a pad, the... but it's just like a taunt mesh thing. <laughs> Technical term there, uh, but yeah. So it ended up like those pins ended up wearing holes right through those, and as they were digging in my back, and so that was an issue too. So when I got back, that's why I was on the bench here. I was I flipped those pins around. So then tomorrow when I I hike tomorrow, I'll see how it if there's an issue with that. But the other thing we're talking about too is like the little pins. Now they're on the outside. If they get snagged on anything and they lose a pin, well, or a clip for the pins, next thing you know, you're going to be losing pins. And Yeah. The, the way that this pack is put together is not ideal. Um, the way that it goes on there. Um, but for the money. Yeah. You, I mean, you, right now, you, I mean, you can't, there's nothing that really even compares to it in that price range it's there's not a whole lot i mean it might take some northern ingenuity as john John calls it or maybe walt from chasing tails has coined that term but but the uh that thing that open that holds the bag open like i don't have that set up on my pack because i have no engineering background and it was like there is no like practical way that it, like you can't just look at it and say oh well this goes in there just like that i mean i i had that thing in there like 15 different times couple different ways like outside inside now i was like nope forget it like i don't need it i don't need somebody something to hold my pack open i, I can open it myself what was nice about it, though is like when we we're on the total archery challenge like if you want to put your bow on your on your pack it held it up there and it wasn't trying to fall off. It kind of held it in place. So that's the one thing I really liked about it, but you really don't need it. Yeah. So it's a little extra weight and those extra pins. 
Yeah, so. I didn't. I didn't even consider the weight. I didn't consider anything. I considered it as like, does it is it keeping it on my back? Is it helping me, aiding me in any way other than being lazy? No. So it can go. And that's the pins that seem to be the problem. So I, now I on mine, I can just remove them right. and put them in my pack in case we do lose one. Uh, but I, you know, in, in doing a little bit of research on that pack before I bought it, like I knew some of the, like the shortfalls of the pins and people had used different pins and they actually used, um, which is, I think, not impractical, but it's, it, you would have to like electrical tape them or something, but they used the ones with the rings on them right. so that they weren't going to lose, lose them and they weren't poking into things. Um, but you'd have to tape them up so that they didn't clang around. Otherwise you'd have, cause there's shit, 15 of them on there. Yeah. It, you would sound like, and you'd sound like a reindeer coming through the woods. <laughs> ching, 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 ching. And if we've got a, um, fix uh the the pack thing the strap thing um i think i found a pretty practical fix for it for that's quiet and it'll end up being a, about 15 or 20 dollars so um that's i i don't see that as being like a major issue so i think that that will be that'll be fine right i mean for the most i mean i like the pack i had no issues I, up there you know, I was only running maybe 20 pounds. You know, we had our water and some snacks and stuff like that. Had some other gear thrown in there. So it wasn't hardly any weight. Didn't even really notice it back there. Uh, super comfortable. I mean, really adjustable. But when I start putting weight in. And, and that's and that's the thing that everything that I've read, everyone that you hear talk about packs say that they're all fine until you put weight. And then once you put weight, that's when you got to do your, that's where you got to do your testing. So... I get it. I get it. And and back to the boot thing, it's like, well, if we're going to end up going every two years or every year or I vote for every year, make it it a realistic uh, part of our hunting going forward. Well then, yeah. uh, Exo or Kafaru or something, something like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But right now when you're, compiling all this gear and saying like what do you need i mean if you had a budget of even a thousand dollars you wouldn't be able to do it it would (laughs) it it would be insurmountable so it's going to be what what stuff you know you buy it all right now keep the stuff that works and right then upgrade as needed so yeah that's what i mean looking at all the stuff that we had to purchase you know for this you know, going into it blind and, and first time, I mean, it's it's a pretty substantial purchase. I mean, when you start adding stuff up, I mean, you know, hiking boots, camo. I mean, yeah, we don't, we have camo, but it wouldn't really be, pra- I mean, our tree stand gear, and then we've said this before, wouldn't be, would not be practical for going out there. And, well, it'd be, it's all cotton or Right, yeah, something. all cotton and, you know, thermal stuff and, you know, for sitting in tree stands. So that, you know, the bows, yeah, we did some tweaking with our bows. We ended up getting different, you know, bows for this hunt, but we could have got by with that. Oh yeah. For sure. But packs, you know, the back to the boots, um, we don't, I mean, we, we ended up, we haven't talked about the, our, uh, 
bino harnesses and stuff. We could probably get away without bino harness where we're going because technically, I mean, it's going to be pretty tight. And I've actually seen a couple uh, posts and different read different things where some of the guys out there don't even carry their binos in the in that terrain because there's there's not much you know you're not going to be seeing them for f- very far archery hunting you know range finder you can get by with just clipping that on your side but what fun is that <laughs> right <laughs> but but yeah but i mean i still don't have i mean maybe i'm jumping the gun or whatever but i still don't have my tent i still don't have a sleeping bag and you know a sleeping pad so those are three you could you could spend a lot of money or you can spend you know no money no money or very little money and it's that's basically going to be throwaway gear i mean cuz you're going to go out there with just a real cheap tent and it might not last right. you know for the it might not even make it through the whole 10 days if you know if we get in a bad storm or or who knows what or it might last and we could use it again for the next 2 years or whatever but you could spend a ton of money on like getting some Kafaru tarps or sleeping bag, you know, 400 bucks for a sleeping bag. But we're just trying to do it on a, not get basically our poor man's budget. We're just trying to get by this year. Yeah. So, so yeah, we can go right into that is as far as gear. So basically the way that I'm looking at it is in, in that realm is tent, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, right? Right. Um, and stove and oh, yeah. canteen cup, all that stuff. But I've got, so I, I said it before, but before we started all of this, I had the military sleep system that I'd use in the Marines and it's a baby sack, a 20 degree bag and like a 50 degree bag or something. And they can all be combined together to go below zero the knock on it is, is that it's heavy. I think the whole thing together is like 12 pounds. So that's not really practical. So it was like, well, I can just use the bivy sack, which I think is like two or three pounds and the green bag, which is the 20 degree bag. And so it'll get me less than that and just use a tarp and I'll be fine. So that's what I was planning on doing. And so I have all that. Um, for Father's Day, apparently my family, my wife, she didn't want me to sleep in a tarp where she was like, she thought I was doing it to save money or or whatever. So she bought me a tent, and it's one that we had been looking at. It's basically seems to be a clone of one of the, the Big Agnes, like Fly 2 or something like that. It's the Nature Hike Cloud Up 2, and this is, they bought the three-season version and it's the upgraded one that's a 20D nylon. Because there's one that has like a some sort of rip stop. It's like $20 less, but it's like the reviews on it are way worse than as far as the material goes. And that is a really, really cool tent. I mean, for for what it is, I didn't really know what to expect from it. It's not big at all. Like for... For John, it's probably just about the same length as he is on his. I think, I think on the inside it says it's like six seven, but man, it would be, it would be 
tight if you were six seven, just because of the angles on it. But it's just a one piece pole, and it's got two Ys on each end. So you just unfold the poles, and the one on the front has like an arc on it, and then the it being three season has the footprint. And I never really understood because I'm not a ultralight hiker, hiker or any of that stuff. So what the two season, three season, whatever, but, or what the footprint even was, well, that footprint is to keep your, um, tent from getting wrecked. But a lot of people will just use Tyvek or, or whatever. They'll just sleep on Tyvek either way. But what it is, is it's the same size as the tent and it has, um, the same clips as the tent does. So you just throw that up, click that right into the grommets and then clip it in to the rain fly. And so now you've got, uh, basically a floorless shelter like a tarp with the, yeah, it's just a tarp. So the air still can come through there. You can still guy it out all in the same things. You still have the zippered front vestibule, but you have like a whole bunch more room. Um, so it's like almost like a tarp, but with a pole, but the tent doesn't weigh anything like everything together, even with the footprints, like three pounds, six ounces when I put it with the stakes, with the guy lines, with everything. Um, so it, it, and it's pretty nice. And when I set up the tent, it's, you know, less room, but I mean, it, it's going to be fine for me. Uh, there's no way that, I mean, it's like two little men, two leprechauns. Like it's not, <laughs> I was a, say it's a two man. It's tent, not but. a two man. Yeah. It's not two men. It's two boys. Right. Two. Yeah. That's the one that we had been looking at. Yep. That's actually on my Amazon list. So yep. I just haven't got. Yeah. Hurt. So, so I'll have to bring that over and set it up so you can right. check it out. And we'll have to probably do like what Joe said and, you know, have half a dozen beers and try to put it run up around the, the lake and then try and put it together in the dark <laughs> just to make sure. Um, but then as far as a, a sleeping bag goes, um, I was doing like a bunch of research on like cheap ultralight sleeping bags. And there's actually, a, um, uh, Aegis Max makes a quote unquote 20 degree bag, which most of the reviews have it at like somewhere in the forties or something like that. But these are people that are just sleeping just in the bag. And there's a lot, there's a lot of mixed reviews and weird stuff about how do you sleep? Are you a hot sleeper? Are you a cold sleeper? What kind of sleeper are you? So I'm like, ah, shit, I don't know anything about that. Um, but it's a down bag that weighs like a pound. It stuffs into a sack that's about the same size as a Nalgene bottle. And I didn't realize it when I was looking at it, that they actually make a long version. So this is kind of like the same thing as that tent where it's, it just barely fits me if I were to like zip it up and I was in there like a mummy. Well, I don't sleep like that. So there's no way that that's, not, I'm going to use it basically as a quilt and have it over top of me. Um, but not going to fit me. It's not going to fit John, but they, they have a longer version. That's like sure. six foot six. Um, so that would be the one to buy. And I would say, even if you're not a big guy, that's probably one to buy it. And it's like an extra 10 bucks. But I mean, you're talking like, I think that sleeping bag was like 70 bucks. So, so that's on my list too. So if you could buy a, a down sleeping bag, like from Marmot or big Agnes or something like that, you're talking three, 400 bucks, you know, for not even a zero degree bag for like 
20 degrees, 40s. But those are going to be actually, whatever yeah. they're rated for, they're going to be They're going to be rated same. for it. They're going to be, you know, durable. The zippers are going to be, everything's going to be top notch with that. And the, I'm not sure, but I, I think they have a pretty good warranty on yeah, I, their gear. I, I believe so. But that uh, that sleeping bag, that's one thing. Like the tent, the, the zippers, they seem pretty good. But the whole thing, and it's just the material that it's made out of, it is so fine. Like everything is is really really fine. Um, but the it, it seems fragile, and I don't I don't think that it actually is. Same thing when you get into those like super high end like Silni tarps, like they they just don't feel like anything they don't feel rugged yeah no not at all um i mean and i think when you like at least for me like when i see the kafaro tarps like set up when aaron Snyder has his stuff and they've got that like shine to it right. like the way that it is it's like man that just doesn't look it just looks like like you just touch it with a stick or something like that and i know that that's not the case is the way that they make their stuff but um but yeah the the zipper on that sleeping bag is really nice like it's like a heavy ykk like real nice rugged zipper so i'm not overly concerned about that and then the sleeping bag pad that i have is uh it was just luck of the draw my brother bought one that was from the rei like yard sale or whatever their second hand or whatever site is and it was like not returnable and it was brand new but it had one of the seams was not one of the ribs ribs wasn't wasn't sealed or wasn't i don't know melted together right. so you blow it up and it's got this one big bulge on the one side <laughs> but i kind of sleep on my side anyways and i've sl- laid on it and everything like that and it's i don't that's what i'm using it was free <laughs> it'll keep you from so, rolling off the, yeah, <laughs> rolling off the back yeah now, hopefully i'll stay in the on the thing so J- john's got got none of that and that's another area where, you know, you could spend, you know, you, so we've got, I think the packs that we have are 130 bucks. Mm-hmm. You could spend 700 bucks on a Kafaru, you know, but, and it's going to be fitted to your body. It's going to be right. like the best of the best, but if you only ever use it once and you hang it in your garage, right? you know, and realistically, the resale on that stuff is, is amazing. So it's not like you're, you'd be stuck oh, with it right. but at the same time that's a lot of out money outlay for just one piece of the puzzle right and so so that'd be one thing say next year we're going out and we're like okay i'm gonna put my money into i'm gonna get my cavaro back this year yep you know the next year i'm gonna get my big agnes tent and so or the hilda was it hilleberg yeah. hilleberg now those tents look you know really nice you know i think randy newberg uses the, the hilleberg so I think Brian Call uses a Hilleberg too. Well, but <clears throat> Aaron Snyder uses them when he uses the tent, right? I mean, that that's right. That's that's saying something there. But he usually uses he uses the Gafaros, yeah, the tarps a lot, the super tarps and super the, tarp. what's the the sawtooth? Is, sawtooth is the one with the with the pole in the pole. center. Yeah, but that's the thing though. How many? days a year to those guys spend right i mean like it. if you look on aaron's instagram he's he's out there i mean it's all pictures of a out in the back country just living out there basically it seems like so for us to go out for 10 days we're doing it you know on limited budget so we're it's just going to be a test i mean 
test the equipment, test our bodies, test our minds. Well, it's going to be an adventure. And it's, it's just going to be one of those things where, you know, you're not, you're not going to live forever. So, you know, you're not going to wish you never did that. I mean, I guess maybe if you died or lost a limb or something, but, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just, that's the thing is just to go out there and, and actually do it. And so as far as the whole losing a limb and dying and things, we're sitting here like literally doing this podcast on top of our maps where we, we went from map of the whole unit to now maps of the, the smaller um, kind of like the areas where we're, where we're pinpointing and, Seriously, um, I was put on, I'd listened to a couple of the Cody Rich uh, podcasts, the Rich Outdoors, but one of the guys that we met at the Total, Ar- Total Archery Challenge, Lance, he's planning on going to Utah this year, I think. I know that he's in Colorado. Maybe he's going to be hunting in Colorado. I'm not sure. But um, he's going on an elk hunt, and he, on Instagram, he's Smash Outdoors, so check him out. Um, he's doing basically all the same preparation, all the same stuff that we are. But he put me onto this um, Total Ar- uh, total Archery Challenge, this podcast, uh, the Cody Rich podcast with um, Treeline Pursuits. And I don't know what the guy's last name is. His name is Mark. Uh, he, he hunts with llamas, and, and yeah. he does a lot, a lot of hunting. And it's all about virtual scouting. And there is some great information in there. It It, like... You know, we're we're using Elk 101 and looking at the stuff that, um, you know, Corey Jacobson is saying, like, this is where you need to be looking. This is the kind of terrain. But that's f- that's for some people. I think it's good for everybody. And I've not heard one bad thing about Elk 101. But what, you, what you're also learning in Elk 101 is what does a ridge look like? What does a draw look like? What does a meadow look like? What, is, what does it look like on the maps? When you're listening to that uh, Cody Rich podcast, it's saying like, okay, so you already know all that and you kind of have an idea of where you're hunting. What are you looking for in your unit? What are you looking for where you're where you're going to be? And it's just like mind-bending. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, you have to sit down. Like, I listen to it and you pretty much have to have a notepad. <clears throat> Sorry. And just take notes as you're listening because he talks about you know like uh what he does his preparation for the map is he goes and takes his map and just outlines all the roads highlights the roads highlights the access points uh then you'll go in and like look at the slope angles and i mean and he's got all different downloads for different like google earth pro and all these different add-ons and i mean it's it is it's yeah, and he's talking about going in, like, essentially with, like, a compass, like, compass and protractor, and creating a one-mile arc all the way around every single one of the roads. He said he does it with a piece of cardboard, a cardboard circle. Yeah. But he goes around all the other roads and then figures out where where there's those dead spots where people aren't going to go. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, uh, Lance told me about or tagged us on Instagram or whatever and said, Hey, you need to check this out. And I immediately sent it to John and I listened to it and I got over and John's like, Oh my gosh, it was like too much. Like I was like taking notes the whole time. And 
it's just a ton of great information that I don't, I don't know where else you can get that much concise information in one spot. I think he's going to be doing some YouTube videos. He was saying about yeah. putting together how to actually look at that. But what's funny is that he actually said he's going to catch a lot of heat from this because it's kind of a he's giving out some inside information or some really good information that some people don't want out there. Everything he does, he said he is a paper map guy. Right. He said he does bring a GPS, but basically everything is paper maps. And it's kind of funny because we were already like ordering our paper maps and doing all that stuff. And then the, the two just coincided. So that's kind of where we're at with that. We have Onyx. Everything's going to be downloaded onto Onyx on our phones. So we can cross-reference everything. We will have GPSs with just as backups. but I'm not very good with GPS. Yeah. <laughs> When you lose your GPS, then you're really lost. So, Yeah, so that that sort of thing happens. But the other thing, too, is we talked about getting the the, in, the GPS with the inReach because we are in a zone where there's, there's, nothing. there's no signal. So we have to have either the inReach or rent a sat phone. So that's one of the other things that we still have to, uh, we have to get in. Yeah, so if anybody out there has any experience with any of the inReach, because there's different models, there's an inReach Mini, and then there's like two or three different models. There's the old Delorme, Delorme, whatever it is, versions. There's two different versions of that. And now Garmin has the inReach models now as well. So if anybody's got any insight into which one's better, you know, how, how they're used, which one you prefer, you know, what, whatever your experience is, let us know. Cause it's something that we still have to figure out. Right. I listened to, I think it was the Bo Junkie podcast with Greg Poole and he had Lee Likoski and that's all Lee, Lee Likoski uses. Like when he's up in Alaska, he's got the inReach and he can send text messages and it links right to your phone. So you can uh, send your text right through it, but we need to, you know, get some more hands-on information about that so i think that even looking at these maps and like kind of like the areas that we're looking at we're really getting it narrowed down we're gonna meet um so the guy that's helping us out was just out spring bear hunting and he had gone up into some of the areas that he told us about and he said there's been a ton of rain out there so everything is green so there's elk sign everywhere and he didn't see very much wolf sign at all so uh, everything is looking up as far as our seeing an elk so i think i think i mean you know we we had the podcast with joe titled like realistic expectations but it's like we go out there like see an elk <laughs> okay good opportunity great right. harvest an elk even better so to get to an area where there's going to be elk hey we're we're halfway there right so and then as far as being out there like our food um, so I've been trying mountain house and, you know, a couple of the other different brands. I don't, can't even think of the name right off the top of my head, but, uh, been trying that, been making up some of my own recipes with, uh, tortillas and, and, and that sort of thing, peanut butter and bacon and honey <laughs> doing that. Um, the mountain ops, the 
enduro packets that we got mm-hmm. at the Total Archery Challenge. We were using those the whole time. The uh, Ignites. Ignites, yeah. The Dark Mountain. That stuff is great. But that, I, I don't, I'm not a big watermelon fan, but that, like the one day I took it for before I did my workout and man, I was like amped. I got through it, no problem. It was, it definitely works. So I need to get, I need to try some different flavors. I don't know what that I is. think they only have the one flavor of that. Oh. I'll, yeah. I'll choke it down because it worked good. So. Well, and the one thing about it is, like, the difference between that, I didn't really notice it with the Mountain Ops, but so I used the the either the C4 or the Lit pre-workout, and they've got so much niacin in them that, I mean, you feel it. You're itching. You're, <laughs> I mean, and it's funny because I've got friends. Like, so my wife, she's like, I don't like it because I don't like feeling that way. And I've got other friends that are like, I love that feeling because I know that it's working. (laughs) And I mean, like, realistically, you know that it's working because, I mean, your face gets tight and it's like hot and itchy. And that Dark Mountain doesn't have that. So it's really like, you you definitely feel like the energy and like all the pump and all that. But you don't have that. You don't have no bad. Yeah, you don't have the bad, the bad portion of it. So that's. That's something that I think I'm going to continue to to get. I, I I like that. I want to try some of their other stuff. They don't have like a full line. They say that they've got more stuff coming, but they just have like a a post workout with the um, branch chain amino acids for building muscle, and they've got uh, just protein, and that's what kind of what they've got on their site right now. So they're not. It doesn't seem like they're. They don't offer a full line of all the different things gimmicks or whatever however you want to say it is the mountain ops where they have the slumber and the this and that so what's what's the full name i mean it's called dark mountain yeah dark mountain and where'd you get it well i got you can just go to darkmountain.com i got it from the bowhunter box club right through that and then they had uh they had a deal where they had like a free sample you got a shaker it wasn't you know you know how it works it was like you got four of the packets of it and one of the shaker bottles, and it was like ten dollars shipping. So right, it was that's like, what I mean. yeah. So like you basically you bought the thing, and and that was right from their website. Yeah. So it's trial thing. You just pay shipping. Yeah, and like I said, I've used it like three times now, three different ones, and I I like it. Like it's not, it's it doesn't give me that weird, right? Weird Jittery. feeling. Yeah, it, I, when I used it, I felt it was a really good workout. I got through it. You know, sometimes. You know, normally I don't eat. I, I I end up working out in the morning, which I end up, I get up, I have my coffee, you know, my bullet coffee, and then, which has, you know, that gives you some energy. I mean, the fat, fat calories and stuff. So, but there's some days where it's just like, I'm still kind of drag. I get partway through my workout and I'm like, ah, I want to quit. Well, like when I used it that day, I was like, give me some more, you know, <laughs> all right. I get I got through my full workout and I did an ab workout and then I did some yoga and I was like I busted out three days worth of stuff in one day. So well, that's cool. It's funny that you say that about the 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 coffee is that like over this weekend I was doing like a little bit of testing for the it I feel like everything like goes in like cycles, you know, people are trying doing mm-hmm. coffee, doing this, doing that, and whatever. Well, um this Jimmy from Serviceide has a, a new coffee coming out. It's instant coffee that 
uh, Tioga Rise, and I've got some I was going to bring over for you, John, but I forgot, so I, I'll bring it over to you. Um, one of the things about it is that it it goes in, it mixes in really easily, so it mixes in either with hot or cold, so you don't have to have boiling water. Uh, but basically, they came up with not necessarily the idea, but saw a need for good-tasting coffee in the backcountry. Right. And so they were like, well, let's see for what we can come up with. And it's pretty good. I made some yesterday morning with their their brand. I did uh, just a regular, like, taster's choice, like, bottom-of-the-barrel simple uh, instant coffee. And then I actually got... I've got a pour over backcountry pour over thing. So it weighs like two ounces. Maybe it just clips on the top of your cup. It's like a super fine filter and you just put the coffee right in there and then you just boil it and pour it right over. Um, and so basically everybody said that the pour over coffee was better, but it was like, then it was like 75% of the people liked the Tioga rise coffee better. Um, it's not bad, but the I think part of the the issue that I was dealing with is I only made up like one cup of coffee, so everybody was drinking <laughs> each you know a little bit of it, and then everybody likes their crap in their coffee. Right. So if if you're not a black coffee drinker and you take some black instant coffee that you know already have in your mind is instant coffee, it's going to be like well, it doesn't matter if that one was better or this one was better. So I think there was definitely like some. And I was trying to get people to try it because, like, I feel like, you know, I know which one it is. I know that it's not bad. So I feel like my opinion is probably biased. Right. right. So I was trying to get, like, an unbiased opinion. Um, but as far as coffee goes, um, I was using that uh, Black Rifle coffee, the AK-47, like, right. espresso. And so it, it, the three together, everybody chose that one. That was really good. It's good coffee. Right. I mean, so there isn't a... I haven't it, tried the AK-47 yet. I had the, the Just Black, and then I've got the the knock-on version. But the, as far as, like, the food, I just got – so when I was a kid, I say when I was a kid, when I was – from the time that I could hunt and kill things up through, I we always had a food dehydrator at my parents' house, and, like, I was making jerky, like, constantly and trying to make other different stuff you know, with the dried fruits and different things. So I just got another dehydrator um, to try and do some of those. I think we talked about it before, but like, you know, Aaron Snyder has a whole podcast on backcountry food and making your own stuff and dehydrating it. And basically it's like crock pot meals to put in there. Um, so I'm going to start to try to make up some of those. And I was actually talking to um, messaging on Instagram, Amber from She's on the board for back, Michigan Backcountry yeah. Hunters and Anglers. And she was saying that that's what they did. And she's like, you'll save yourself a bunch of money and you'll have better food. So she said she was going to get back to me with some recipes. recipes. So, yeah, because that's the one thing. I You brought me over that breakfast one. I haven't tried it yet. I need to get on that. But, you know, just looking at it, I mean, it's just packed with sodium, which, I mean, I don't know if we get out there and eat it bazillion milligrams of sodium will be bloated like you know well, you'll be sweating blimp. too so i mean it's <laughs> like but i mean the salt starvation thing's like a real deal but right. i mean if you want the food to last for 25 years then you got to put some, some right. salt in it so it's it's definitely a trade-off but 
I've got a couple recipes like that I want to try. Like um, there's Mississippi roast. So you just take, I've done it with elk. I've done it with venison. You can do it with beef too. You just take a roast. You put a stick of butter in there, a packet of um, the au jus seasoning, a packet of Hidden Valley Ranch, uh, ranch, and then like a half a dozen the peppercino peri- uh, peppers. You just put those on there, and then that's it. No juice, no any, no water, no anything. And you just let it cook down. And the butter melts, and then all the in your crock in, pot. In a crock pot, yep. And then it's usually served either over mashed potatoes or just noodles. But I think what I would do is do like boil up some rice, and like it's like counterintuitive, but cook the rice, mix it all together, and then dehydrate it. And, and then I'm going to try it that way. Yep. So that's one that I'm definitely going to try here. So that's one soon. thing. I've never I've never done anything with the – I've never messed with dehydrators or any of that kind of stuff. So that, that stuff's all new to me. I just figured I'd just – Just buy it? Buy some Mountain House. Try yeah. to find out the ones I like. I think it's going to be a balance of, of both. Um, I think I think what I really want to do – at least for the first like couple of days or whatever is like what he was talking about, like make up some lasagna or whatever and right. use the vacuum sealer, put it in there. It'll keep the other stuff cold. And, you know, by day three, you're done with it anyway. So right. be yeah. fine. But so I, that's kind of like where we're at right now with, with everything. And I, one thing, okay. So we got some pretty good podcasts coming up here. Uh, <laughs> Really big one um, should be recording on Wednesday. Don't want to say anything just in case it doesn't work out or whatever. But it's gonna be gonna be pretty cool. And then um, we're also gonna be talking to um, Jared uh, Van Hees from the um, he's got the Outdoor Devotion uh, channel on YouTube, and he's got a web show. And then he also does the Habitat podcast. So we're gonna be talking about. Well, I feel like all of our talking lately has been about elk. So I feel like the whole whitetail thing is kind of like kind of took on the back, back burner. And I'm, I want to talk to Jared about, he's a Michigan guy, grew up in the same area, hunting small parcels of land or public land. So his mindset is kind of like the same way that ours is, as far as like what a trophy deer looks like or the the climate but with this Habitat podcast, he's, I mean, he just bought, I think, a 13-acre piece of property. So he's talking about managing little tracts of land. So we're going to be talking about um, what's best for 5 acres, 10 acres, 15 acres, how much of this stuff is realistic, and then, like, when to get things in as far as, like, like right now we're – middle of july is it too late to plant what time do you plant for the fall and what happens if you have a property that's in northern michigan that you can only get to once or twice a year before the season what do you do what's your what's your best bet you know so some of these more practical things where maybe it's not like tv or like some of the other information out there where you're like oh yeah well you first you spray it and then you come back two weeks later and then you mow it and then you come back two weeks later and then you disc it, send in your soil sample, wait for that to come back, you know, right. where, 
We're not the jury, so. <laughs> but in, I think for for most people, I want to know what's the most important step, bar none. If it's soil sample, then get the soil sample because, I mean, like QDMA, they're a quality deer management association. They just put a post on Instagram saying about no-till um, planting. So basically it was mow it, spray it, and then after everything is dead, or like you have to give that some some time to like dissipate, wait until it's going to rain, go in, throw your seed over top of it, and then just drive over it or call to pack it or whatever. Well, that seems a little bit more realistic. Right. You know, if you don't have the equipment, I mean, like I talked to Jared on the phone um, earlier this week, and it was like, you know, you could drop $10,000 on equipment before you even had a pl- plot of land to do anything with it or uh, anything like that. Easily. I mean, that would be on the low end. I mean. <laughs> but, I mean, what's practical for, for, uh, for a, too. a weekend warrior right. like deer hunter, you know? And one of the things, too, is depending upon what happens with uh, here in Michigan, our management of whitetails or the regulations if baiting is banned because of cwd now the guys with food plots are going to be you know some of the the main draw whereas the deer could just stumble through the woods and find carrots or beets or apples it didn't matter and if none of that's there well it's going to change the patterns completely to these areas that it's going to make your food plot that much more important so I think that'll be good. So if anybody has any food plot questions or any questions about, um, you know, what to do on a small parcel of parcel of land, be it um, any screening of an existing food plot or a food source or hinge cutting, creating bedding areas, a habitat, that sort of thing. Uh, I think that's kind of where we're going to focus um, is kind of like the small parcel um, type stuff. But, you know, we're continually working to make the podcast the best thing that we can for the listener. Now, if selfishly we get to talk to somebody that we want to talk to about things that we want to know about, well, we hope that you have the same interests, right? So, <laughs> And one other thing, back to the, we just did the giveaway for the backcountry hunters and anglers. There were some really good posts on there lately. If you guys haven't checked out the Instagram page, either backcountry hunters, anglers, Michigan, or the regular uh, backcountry, backcountry hunters and anglers, the main site, um, there was just a big thing with the Utah Senator. And we, I mean, I know we, uh, I went on and, you know, made a comment, hashtag keep it public, all that. So if, if you guys haven't done that, get out there and do that if you can, please. Yeah, I think it's Senator Senator Mike Lee yeah. is his name. And, uh, yeah, he's basically trying to sell off all of the, national uh, national lands to the state to the state and essentially the states out west have so much land that there's no way that the state can actually um manage or take that on so it would be sold to big business or right that's it's just like a that. way of getting rid of it and i mean just like you know with texas you go you look at texas there's like no public land it's like not in the 90 percent it's all it's privately owned stuff, so we definitely don't want that happening with our, you know, out west, or I mean, anywhere, Michigan, 
for that fact. So, you know, if you can help support that, that's a great, great program. So with that, I mean, yeah. Anything else? No, I think that's pretty much all we've got. Uh, but again, some big things coming up. So, um, stay tuned. We're going to try and talk to as many people as we can, you know, to get as much information as we can, both for us and for you, the listeners. So if there's something that you, you know, you guys want to, want to hear about, um, anything like that, I've got a couple things in the works. I've had some questions about, um, 3d archery, um, bow setups as far, not necessarily 3d setups, but stabilizers and, all, all sorts of things like that. So I'm trying to figure out, um, who exactly we want to talk to, to kind of talk to that. I got somebody in mind, so I have, uh, I have that coming up. Uh, but if you've got something that you'd like to hear about or anything that we've touched on that you'd like us to elaborate on, you know, just shoot us a message. Um, we'll be happy to, uh, definitely fit something in for you guys. So, um, but I think with that, that's kind of all we got, all we got right now. So thanks for listening. All right. See you.